Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash new music industry. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. With me today is head of NSDMT, Nick Sather. How are you today, Nick? I am awesome. It's uh, it's about 20 to 11 in London. Um, so this will be um, the last thing I do for the day before I go off to bed. <laughs> Excellent. Are you starting to feel a little bit uh, tired now, sleepy? Um, no, I, I had a coffee earlier because I knew we'd be, uh, we'd be having this chat. So... Um, I'm, I'm feeling okay. Um, and I'm quite lucky. I'm, I'm one of these people who just, as soon as my head hits a pillow, I'm out like a light. So, um, yeah, yeah I'll be all right. I'll be full of energy and, and that'll be right when I go to sleep. <laughs> Excellent. Well, our, our audience really appreciates it. I'm excited about today's conversation because I get a lot of questions about starting a record label, how to get national exposure as a label, signing artists to a label and so on. Some people mm-hmm. have even asked me to write a book about every aspect of running a label. And although I have some experience, I'm not going to be able to do that without first getting into some conversations with people like you who have more experience. But hopefully mm-hmm. we can get some questions answered during this conversation. So welcome to the show. And why don't you start off by sharing a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, so um, my background... Uh, was originally in uh, d- uh, DJing and uh, production. So I started off in New Zealand, um, which is where my uh, Kiwi accent comes from. Of course. Um, and uh, I came over to the UK because in New Zealand, it's a population of about four about four and a half million people. And I saw at the time um, there was one DJ who was like a professional artist DJ who was making a career out of it in New Zealand. Um, and I was, so I was, um, producing underground dance music and I was like, this is going to be really difficult. And at the time, all my mates that have gone to uni with that all gone to the UK and they're like, Nick, get over here now. This is the place for you. So I uh, sold up all my stuff, bought a plane ticket and came over to London, gave myself five years to break into the music industry. Um, I then, Went out and just networked, went out to club nights. So I was a breaks DJ. Um, I had a few releases out on kind of small indie labels. Um, and I just, yeah, hung out with the kind of, I just get, went to the parties, kept hanging out. And then I became uh, friends with a group called Control Z, um, which was uh, Inchi and Tommy. I became quite good friends with Tommy. Um, he was quite successful. He would, um, had uh, born and bred Londoner. Um, and he was on a label called Hardcore Beats. Um, he was it was going okay. He wanted to go and start his own label, do his own thing. And he said, hey, do you want to start a record label with me? And I was like, you know, let me think about it. And I was like, fuck yeah, this guy's like extremely hooked up. So yeah, we started, I never say hi. I was actually a became a um, dubstep label um, or in America, um, bro step it became that really hmm. we signed some early Skrillex and Flux Pavilion so we got that kind of we rode in that first EDM wave into the into the US which was amazing it was incredible um, and I had to 
um, and, and I'd, at the time I'd started like a, a licensing, a music licensing company because I um, had a few of my um, tracks put in computer games um, for quite a bit of money. And I was like, oh, this is a bit of a, a kind of a business thing. And I'd set it up to kind of help out other artists. Um, but the label just ended up taking off. And so that became like a full time gig. Mm-hmm. So I had some experience kind of running a business. And then um, I but I just had to I had to read a lot of books and learn the hard way. And, um, and the reason why I sort of started the label machine was, you know, if I had something like this, when I started, I would have, I saved two years of like, like hard work. Um, and this is kind of just wrapped up everything you need to know in like one place. Um, and you, you just literally don't need anything else. It's like start at the beginning, go through if you know nothing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my story of how I came to be here. Awesome. I mean, there's so many trails we could go down there. <laughs> uh, even video game composition is something I've covered in the past, and I'm sure people are interested in that. But I, I definitely relate to your point of just like spending the time studying, grinding, figuring it out. I don't have everything yeah. figured out in online business yet, but I, I mean, my internet marketing knowledge is certainly extensive. I've discovered a lot. I'm actually going back mm-hmm. and filling the, the holes in my knowledge right now by taking a digital marketing course because I see the value in that and the, and the importance of that. Even if I I don't end up implementing all of it i'll find someone on my team who can and and we'll mm. just keep growing because i want to focus on my genius zone which is clearly content creation yeah i, I t- you know what our brains are only so big and you can only absorb so much and i'll yeah. tell you something funny occasionally i log into the label machine myself to check on something that I, to do something because i'm forgotten like I hang on, what's the sequence that you do? And I and I go in, I've written the whole course myself. Like I should know it, but like, you know, it's it's so hard like keeping tabs on everything. Um, so having, yeah, I, I completely agree. You can never kind of stop learning and, um, and, and absorbing all that information. That's hilarious because, you know, I have a little bit of a catalog in my brain of all the podcast interviews I've done too. And, but for some reason, I can't remember the ones that happened this year and uh, this year kind of went by in a blur for a variety of reasons. But, uh, yeah, exactly. You refer back to your own content sometimes like people yeah. will sometimes read a passage from my book out aloud and I'll go, wow. And they're like, you said that I'm like, <laughs> I did, <laughs> I did, I did. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, I did. That's right, I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's so funny. So I'm sure people are curious. You referenced the label machine. What exactly is it, and how does it help aspiring independent label owners? So, the elevator pitch is um, the label machine is for uh, artists and managers that want to. Uh, build, grow, and run their own independent record label. Um, I was even struggling to remember that for a second. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's essentially aimed at it, – it, it was born out the back of um, – I've worked with a lot of artists managing them. Um, as, you, as you know, in the last probably five to eight years, um, a lot of artists have stopped signing to record labels – they're now um, self-releasing or starting their own record labels. Um, you know, it, it's uh, I think 40% of top 40 releases now come from independent record labels, not the majors. Um, and the reason is, there's all these artists that have once, that sort of already um, got a little bit established, 
Um, and they're sort of like, they don't need the, re- they've gotten some money in their bank account. They don't need the independent record label. They want to do things their own way, but they sort of don't understand the business of it. So I'd set up, I'd, I sort of was setting this up so many artists and running their labels for them. And the label machine was kind of taking that whole process and just putting it in one place. Um, and I, and I wanted to make it super practical. Um, so I wanted it to be, um, less theory based and totally actionable. So down to details of when you, um, so there's like a database included in there for like every single kind of genre of like all the different types of blogs and tastemakers and, um, how you go through first, which ones you use it, you email somebody, these are the exact words to use mate. And, you know, like just replace this with your name and put your bits and pieces in there. So just every kind of step that you can go through. So you don't have to think about anything. Mm. You just, you know, you just follow the process to get from A to B. Um, yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I put it together. And it's got, um, it's got recording contracts, remix contracts, um, the templates. Um, it's got videos. It explains all the different clauses and contracts and how they work, how you edit them for your own record label and your own releases. Um, you know, step by step, how you set up a promotion campaign, how you do marketing campaigns. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and there's still plenty more to add as well. You know, um, I'm going to add bits on merchandising, um, more on how you're purchasing. I mean, and you know how big the music industry is and how many different avenues are there. Um, so yeah, and, and there's a, I put a community on the back end of it, um, which is a, um, you know, forum where I'm, I'm hoping, um, I mean, in my ideal world, the, the label machine will be a place where independent record label owners and managers can, can kind of be and be that, that number one hub. Um, I mean, there isn't actually a place like online yet that is like that so by definition of saying it i am kind of the number one but i'm never going to say that until at least i've got a few thousand people on there and it's a proper community but i really want that to be that place and and you know the the other reason the community i mean i mean so many independent record labels you know you are sometimes a one or two man team and you know you're unsure you're going to go do something but you're unsure is it quite right and you know i'm lucky i often pick up the phone and and i know that a label manager is an artist and i'll be like yo matt um, you know, we've got the sync deal through, blah, 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 but they're saying this. I'm not sure what we should do on the PPD. Like, I reckon we should, you know, do what do you think? And he's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And you go back and forth. You go, yeah, okay, cool. I thought so. And you kind of get back to it. And, and you know, I thought there must be so many people out there that, that um, you know, they don't have access to be able to uh, ask people those kind of, like, unique questions. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's the other reason I kind of want to have this forum of people we can share stuff, how much a remix is going for, how much the store's going for, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, and on there, I've got a private bit as well where, um, you know, you can ask me questions offline so now I can kind of see them as silly as they may be. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. I'll, I'll stop now as I'll start getting a little too salesy on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is awesome that you're trying to create a community for people who are recording and managers and, and all that and people who want to start their own independent labels, which makes total sense. You know, I do quite a bit of self-releasing of my own music as well. And I know some of the advantages of starting an independent label or a label to represent yourself. But uh, mm-hmm. there must be some reason why people are motivated to do that, right? So what are some of the benefits just in case people don't know of starting their own label well um you know i i think as well something i've discovered this year um 
and, and I will I will answer your question sort of in, in a roundabout way, but it's mm-hmm. like you said about self-releasing in that, um, you know, there's a lot of people who want to release their own music, but not necessarily launch a full-blown record label, you know, but, but if, so if, if you haven't released your music before, if you do self-release, when you go, to, you have to go to a distributor, you actually have to always put in there a record label name. Um, it, it's just the way the industry works. So by definition, if you self-release and, you, and you'll end up putting in there like artist name label or just artist name or whatever. So if it, it's, it's not too important from that aspect, but essentially when you do self-release, um, you are following a, if you're going to do it properly, you're essentially following the, um, the process that a record label will do to put your music out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the benefit, the benefits of doing it yourself is, um, you're in full control. I mean, that's usually with existing artists. I say that's their biggest benefit for them. Um, you can, um, you'll own all the rights. Um, you aren't reliant. I guess the biggest thing as well is, when you want to put, when you really want to do your marketing push and you really want to put your music out there, you're not having to rely on the label to do it. Um, you're a, you're just more in control of your career, I guess. Um, yeah, it's probably easier to try and say like the benefits of not signing to a record label than the benefits of starting <laughs> one as well. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're, yeah, I guess, it's kind of, it's kind of, this is always a tricky question for me as well because I am a label owner as well and I have, you know, managers. So I've got artists that I manage. In some respects, you know, I don't want to, you know, poo-poo signing to a record label too much. Yes. Um, and I guess if you're signed to if you're signed to a good label that's on board and got your interests at heart, um, then that's it's a great it's a great place to be. And I'd recommend if you can find a good label to do that. Um, if you can't find a good label or you already have a big enough audience and you've got a good team around you, you, you sort of don't need that then. Um, and then you can, you can set it up yourself. Um, and then there is, which is the other recommendation is you do a hybrid. Um, you know, I did a, I did a, um, talk on Saturday at ministry of sound in London, um, as part of the DJ growth conference. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of people kind of asking me the, the best kind of pass to take. And I said, um, and I'm sorry, the guy, the head of Beatport was there and he was saying that when, um, um, not Avicii, it was David Guetta, um, mm. came back to sort of start doing underground dance music again. Um, he kind of wanted to, you know, uh, he, and he had his own record label, wanted to put stuff out. He put it out, he put it out on his, his label, he put it on Defected, he put it out on like three other different record labels. Now he owns his own record label and he's got loads of money to do his own promo, um, but he's still kind of diversified. And, and, and you know, uh, it got me thinking when, and when someone asked me kind of what's the best plan, and I think it's a hybrid approach, like set, have your own label to put your own music out, and so when it's right and you need to put something out there, you need to control and, and you don't need anybody, you can do that and you have the platform to do it and you also understand everything that needs to be done. You've got the contacts, you know, you can reach out to, you've got some relationship with some blogs already that you know is going to post your stuff. When you want to do a marketing campaign, you know what you're doing on the back end. But then when the right, when the time is right and you're like, Hey, this is actually really suitable for this record label over here. Um, you know, perhaps 
you know, it's in a, maybe a, a, a new territory for you, a territory that works for you, um, you know they're going to do a good job, you sign it to them and they release it on their label as well. So I think, um, yeah, there's there's benefits to doing it, both having your own label and signing a label. And I guess ultimately, um, you know, over your course of your career, if you're going to be releasing a lot of music, it's handy to have your own label that you can do your own things on and then, of course, to also sign to other labels. Um yeah, did that answer the question? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's brilliant. Yeah, the way you explained it and about diversification—that's fantastic. That, that's definitely something people can begin thinking about as they release mm-hmm. more music and become more popular and grow their fan base. You know. So the next question I have—it's kind of a thing about priorities. Like, what mm-hmm. exactly would you advise someone focus on when they're first getting a label established? So I'm a big believer in. Um, uh, planning, um, you know, what's that Benjamin Franklin, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, I think it is, or something like that. Um, my, and the reason, and the other reason why, um, is a couple of reasons why you should write that. Like if you, if you're asking me what's the very first thing you should really do, um, is sign up to the label machine. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second thing you should do, (laughs) Um, and the second thing you do, which is actually the very first thing I say to do, um, is to write a business plan. Um, hmm. And it, and that, and and I, it's a kind of like some people say it's a bit of a boring thing, but it really is essential. And and all the labels I've I've worked with that have sat down and done this in the first instance um, have gone on and 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 they've become successful. They haven't fallen over. Um, it because it forces you to actually think like. You know, um, if you don't have a record label name, what is my record label? Who who actually is my audience? Um, who, who who am I going to get um, to work on this? Like, you know, h- how many releases are we going to have? And then, therefore, how much money we're going to spend on each release? So, how much money do we need to actually invest? You know, like specifically, what is that? Um, it, it, you know, what's the you know what's your uh, what's your tone and brand? You know, it, f- it forces you to kind of think about these things. Um, that, you know, you, you sort of go, oh, yeah, I sort of know, but when you actually have to type it out and think about it and defining what you're going to be, um, it's, it's a really important part of the process and it gives you confidence to then when you move forward to, um, you know, to take your best step forward. Cause you've, you know, you've thought about everything, you know what you're doing. And when people ask you what's going on, you're not going to be mumbling around and, and sort of, you know, Oh, I'm not really sure. And we may be doing this and maybe doing that. People are going to go, I'm not taking you seriously. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, and secondly, the other reason it is we apply in some list, um, distribution companies, which are some of the um, kind of mid-level distribution companies, you have to apply to um, become a, um, uh, a label with them. And if you get on board with them, they're great because you have like an account manager. So these are this is like not the distro kid, which is just a... So DistroKid, for anyone that um, doesn't know, is is a platform for just putting your music out there. It's like TuneCore and CD Baby, but it, it's just a service. They, there's not a phone call you can call up. Um, it, it's, it's you know, you upload the music and it goes out. Um, whereas um, companies like AWOL or, um, uh, goodness me, Believe Digital or um, uh, my brain's gone completely blank now. Um <laughs> But those, uh, the record labels, Labelworks is another one. We have to apply, 
they have to see a business plan. You know, they have to see what's mm-hmm. going on. Um, and, you know, if you can, when you set up, if you can get on board with one of these distributors, you should definitely do it. So it's worth applying, putting a business plan together, sending it to them, um, and, yeah, and getting on board because they'll be a big help and there'll be someone that can kind of hold your hand at the beginning. So, you know, as the very first thing, that's what I would say. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, and then secondly, I mean, I always sort of assume that you've got music You've got music ready to go if you're a artist that's going to be releasing on your own label. Um, you know, you've got music to the point that um, it's compatible with your contemporaries. You know, you A, B it in the studio and, it, you know, it's not low in volume. It's the quality is just the same. Um, you want to make sure you've got, you know, your first few releases or your first tracks um, lined up. Um, and then after that, it's it's. I think the next best thing to do is, is actually start um, – and I have a feeling you might disagree with me here, hmm. um, but I feel that the next thing to do is to kind of, you know, get get a, uh, you know, figure out what your logo is going to look like. Um, you know, what, hopefully, you, you know, with your business plan, you've got your record label name sorted um, and, you know, get your logo sorted, maybe buy your domain name and have a holding page. Um, and the reason why for that is it's a kind of, it's a bit of a fun, like, you know, like, you know it, it makes it a little bit more real. Like I've said, here's the website and you've got it, even if it's the logo on the holding page, I think it's a, um, I think it's quite a, like a nice step. I always, it's a kind of something you can do easily and quickly and, and get a sort of like an actionable thing done. Um, like you take an action. So I always say like that probably be the next thing. And then, you know, and then there's like a million other things to do after that. So I'll stop there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's sound advice, you know, and something that I often talk about or have talked about in the past is just this idea that people will create business cards and their logo and their website without having any product or really any sense of direction in terms of what they're doing. So that's primarily what I discourage. Whereas I think mm. if you're starting to set up partnerships with distributors, you are pretty serious about what you're planning to do. And mm. so having an established brand would, would totally make sense to me, you know? Yeah. I, and you do it. You, I mean, you have to, when you reply to them, they're like, what's your website? What's your SoundCloud? So you sort of do have to have that set up. Yeah. Um, but you know, I did say, you know, I, I, my first thing was make sure your music's ready. Like if your music isn't ready, cause I know, I know what you mean when I have met people that are like, and I'm like, awesome. Like, Hey, send me some tunes. Oh, we haven't quite finished them yet. And I'm like, why the hell are you starting a record label if you haven't even got your your music? The whole point of the label is to release your music. Like, you know, you're trying to run before you can walk. So, um, yeah, I, I do agree. Once yeah. you've got that music, though, then you can take those next steps. You know, equally funny is to me is some of these success stories out there that that basically portray the idea. Oh, you know, I've made four thousand dollars a month in music. I'll show you how. Or, you know. Uh, I make $6,000 a month on Amazon. This is, this is how I've done it, which we all get to learn from. So to that extent, it's, it's totally beneficial. And I don't want to diminish anybody's success, but the questions that need to go on in everybody's head when they're reading or looking at watching stuff like that is how much are they spending? How much are they saving? How much are they investing? How much are they reinvesting into their company? If you're mm-hmm. not asking those questions, you have no idea because you could be making $3,000 a month saving $300. They could be making $8,000 a month saving $80. Who's coming out ahead? The person mm-hmm. is making $3,000 a month. So we gotta we have yeah. to examine those things pretty critically. And, and that's becoming yeah. a more important skill than ever before. It's just looking at things critically. Yeah. And, and, you know, on that point as well, like if someone does it, something around a release, 
another thing that happens, you know, and we're in the creative industry and, you know, any creative industry, there are, you can put ducks in a row. Um, when you put your artwork out there, the critics and fans are either going to hate it or love it or somewhere in between. And you sort of don't really ultimately have much control over that. Like, because it's by, by definition of it being a creative art and people have like different opinions on it. And, you know, but, and, and if something does fly and go really well, and, you know, you, you, you didn't, you know, you just did everything you normally did. You maybe didn't do that much, about, but just something just strikes a note and hits and flies, you know, you can be led to believe that you've, you know, I know how to do it all now and blah, 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 blah. And, and you know, it's like, no, you just wrote a really good fucking song and everyone like, and everyone played it and it was a runaway hit. And yeah, yeah you made a bunch of money, but like, you know, nature to say, Hey, this is how you do it. And it's like, we're all doing that. You know, you just happen to have a runaway hit. Like, exactly. you know, I, 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 I think there's a, there's a bit of that that goes on, you know, and I think especially when you see people who are, sort of using something from three or four years ago and it's like so any reason why you haven't replicated what you did four years ago yeah like you know you're totally right you know i've put some material out there that i think is pretty good not all of it has been high production value one of the eps i released this year was in in june it was called no escape ep and i think there's got some good production on it most of all the other things i've released have been lo-fi and i like enjoy doing that and and have fun with it and want to show off my experiments rather than just keeping them on on my hard drive as many musicians tend to do Um, Mm. but but yeah it's it's the same thing i'm putting this out there i think it's good it does has any of it taken off in a major way yet not really i had like one single called city lights that was kind of synth wavy that uh that you know europeans seem to dig but i think it even charted in itunes europe but i didn't see any compensation for that so obviously it wasn't uh, (laughs) it wasn't significant enough just a blip on the radar but you know you're right we have fun with these things and Mm. uh this whole thing about business plans, like that's something I've been trying to make fun for musicians and music entrepreneurs. It's tough, right? Good luck. I know. <laughs> and it's still a work in progress, but I've, I've developed this whole thing about the one page plan. If you can fit it on one page and know exactly what you need to do, then you've, you've actually condensed it to the point of being able to figure out what it is, even though the document that you would probably need to present to investors or whoever else official would probably mm-hmm. be a multi, multi-page document that contains all the, yeah. the, the, the detailed steps, right? It depends yeah. on the situation, but... I mean, I'm on on that point. I mean, my the 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 template I have is like eight pages long, mm-hmm. and it just you know it covers everything off. And the, the way I've found it easiest is, it says you know it's an explanation of you know what your you know say uh, you know what your vision is, and then I just have two examples of fully written out visions of other labels, and then I just say look at those like and then think about yours and just like write your own kind of version of that so i mean like worst comes to worst someone can kind of like follow see what other people have kind of written and then kind of do that um and even on the budgeting i've got like a whole budgeting template you can edit yourself as well and and change the numbers around um in the excel spreadsheet sort of depending on how many releases you want to do and then spit that out um I, 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 yeah, I don't know if there's any way of making it fun. Maybe just making it as <laughs> as painless as possible is yeah. probably the key. Um, yeah, it's but you know, it's once it's done though, it's done, and and you're in a better place, which is always good. Just out of curiosity, what kind of things need to go in there, like email marketing and social media and website and branding, or is, <sighs> is it more how you're going to spend your revenue or? 
I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm. I'm very quickly going to do. I'm just going to happen to look up a. Well, people are going to really know that for sure, especially if they're going to start their business plan after listening to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, here we go. I'll just quickly open up a template so I can uh, go through it and tell you exactly what it is. Wow, thank um, you. Yeah, first thing is a summary. Um, so your summary is what you write um, actually at the end because it's a summary of the whole section or sometimes it's called in a, in a, in a more traditional uh, business plan an executive summary. Um, so then the second is your business overview. Um, you want to introduce key people who are involved with the label, what experience they have, any qualifications or trainings might they have, and um, where you'll be based um, like location-wise in the world and the future goals of the label. Um, so current, and then you want to have your current position. So this is a summary of where you are right now with your music plans. Uh, um, growth, a summary of how you record label with your financial goals. Um, page three are your strengths, opportunities, and core values. Um, so your strengths and opportunities, that's where you list your strengths and opportunities as a record label. Um, it gives you, it sort of gives you an opportunity to talk about your USP, what your unique selling point is and critical success factors. Um, so if you have something unique, um, such as a link to a key industry contact or an opportunity, that's kind of where you put that in there. Um, you know, maybe even like a, a brother or a father, something used a famous uh, musician or something would be an example. And then your core values. Um, so that's what's important to you as a label. Um, if you are you going to be pushing underground music? Um, are you doing experimental music? Are you doing this to release your own album to support your tour? Um, or are you interested with more mainstream artists? That's kind of what the core values is. Um, page four is your business strategy. I mean, should I keep going? Am I doing too much detail or is this? No, this is this great. Is yeah. Okay. Uh, so page four, your business strategy is that's where you outline your strategy for the next five years, um, like your tangible goals, how many releases you aim to have, will you sign new artists, um, when do you aim to break even on the revenue, um, and my suggestion is always uh, you should have at least bare minimum three singles or EPs in your first year um, if you're a, a producer, DJ or band. Um, and six to eight records if you aim to sign artists to your label. And you probably want to be breaking even within 12 to 18 months of um, setting up the label and supporting yourself. So, um, yeah, three to five year goals are what you should be doing um, after you achieve your one to two year goals. Um, but always, you know, sort of write out your one to two and then and sort of your pie in the, your pie in the sky, is it, I think, uh, you know, your, your big yes. dream goals, your, your sort of your three to five. Uh, page five is your distribution and label products. So this will be who you want to distribute your label through. Um, are you going to be doing events? Um, if you are doing events, how will they be promoted? Um, other th options as well. Merchandising. Are you going to do merchandising? Who will be responsible? Um, will you manufacture your own merchandise? Will you use a company? What company will you use? Um, you know, what would be your prices? Um, step six, page six is the label management and operations. So this is key personnel um, who will be managing the label and other team members you might have, such as key partners, um, such as merchandise companies or management companies. So that's just a list there, you know, label manager, marketing manager, merchandising manager, and, and a list of what their responsibilities are. Um, we're on the home straight now. Uh, page seven is your marketing. So these are your marketing goals, objectives, targeted, and promotional activities for the label. 
um, and that'll be over your goals and objectives um, around um, what strategy did you have for the future. Um, so, you know, would you be putting in there, you'll be doing, you know, you aim to be in press publications. Are you going to be mostly wanting to get on YouTube channels? Are you going to be using chatbots um, uh, with your social media strategy? Um, and then you have your target market. Um, so this is who is your ideal um, target market, very clearly defined what the genre of music you'll be releasing, locations and age group as a minimum. Um, and then advertising and promotional activities what advertising promotion will use to promote the label and releases. Um, are you going to use PR companies for the first release? Um, which social media platforms are you going to focus on? Because you don't want to focus on every single one. You want to kind of find out the ones where your fans are. And then the final page is your financial budget and forecast. So hmm. um, startup label expenses, release expenses, optional expenses, your cash flow forecast, um, any optional revenue streams. So if you are doing events, you know how much you intend to make off them and a profit and loss projection. Um, yeah, and that's it. And then you have a little summary of the record label budget. So, you know, I, I, I'd have like a full table that you can fill in and then export the little kind of summary that you put in your business plan. And that is a business plan. Bish, bosh, bash. Excellent. <laughs> and all this and more is available in the label machine. So definitely check yep. it out. I it's like a it. bunch of examples to read under all of those as well, which make it a bit easier. Perfect. I wasn't going to read it online, but, uh, but yeah. Yep. Very thorough. Now, here's one of the questions I've been building to. So I recently went on a rant about aspiring label owners who say they have a million dollars and want to get national exposure for their labels. Now, I've had more than one email like this. So either there are a ton of what? people just handing out a million dollars to start the label, or they're just tire kickers trying to figure out if I'm any good at what I do. Either way, we're just dealing in hypotheticals here. But if someone came to you with that question, how would you answer them? So, so what's the question? I have a million dollars. I have a million dollars and I want to get national exposure for my label, which seems like an outdated concept or idea already because <laughs> we live in a fairly globally connected world. You know what? I actually um, have a, um, a uh, an exact answer for mm. you. Wonderful. Um, which I will um, bring up just here so I can read through. Because um, I, I actually was looking at this this morning um, and I put together a spreadsheet <laughs> so weirdly about this. Um, so I bear with me while I um, just uh, find it in, oh. uh, amongst my other um, things. Um, us business types like to geek out over these spreadsheets, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, goodness me. Where is it? Uh, I'm, a, I'm actually going to do a blog on this as well mm. uh, and uh, at some point. Yeah, I'm curious to know because I guess you probably have it all mapped out how that budget would should be or could be used. Um, so tell me, uh, my first question would be, Yes. Um, are you a uh, R&B and hip hop artist, a pop artist, a rock artist, or an electronic and dance uh, artist, sir? That's the same thing I asked. Well, who is your target audience? And I couldn't yep. get an answer. <laughs> let's just, let's let's assume they are a let's assume they're a hip hop artist. I, I nothing gets hip hop artists, but I reckon you get more hip hop artists coming through with those kind of questions. 
Yes. <laughs> Certainly hip hop artists are, are go-getters in, in my world and, and I love that about them. So I just smoked a big fat blunt and they're feeling super inspired. <laughs> <laughs> I figured out how they're going to, they've got a million dollars after their uncle. Um, so I would, um, I would on urban radio, I would spend $70,000 uh, across rhythmic urban and urban AC um, with maybe a couple of grand for club servicing. Um, for uh, content, um, artwork and promo photos, um, I'd be spending about 10 grand. So we do a proper like blinged out um, photo shoot. Um, and then on video production, uh, uh, video and B-roll stuff, I would be spending upwards, uh, probably around 150 grand um, to do a proper music video. And, and you know, wh which sounds like a lot of money, but remembering we've got a million dollars here as well. Um, and so we want to do like a decent music video that looks as comparable to, um, you know, anything you're seeing um, from the hip hop community these days. Um, remixes and features, um, 220 grand. When it comes to media, I'd be spending 210000 on advertising, and that would be across digital advertising, traditional and influencer street marketing. Um, I would spend 100000 on publicity. Um, I would assume that you are performing, especially if you've got a million um, dollars because you want to be recouping on that on your 360 um, uh, budget. So I'd be putting a hundred grand towards tour support, um, which should go towards show development, ticket buys and merch. And then uh, promotional appearances on TV, promo tour, showcase and parties, another $50,000. And there is your million dollars, sir. Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> killer. Killer, man. Wow. I had some suggestions uh, for them as well. And, and they weren't all the same because I, I was kind of assuming from I was coming from a place of assuming they didn't have any artists and they had no idea what they're going to be promoting. But <laughs> but coming from a place of hip hop, you can definitely begin to to be more specific right in your approach. So, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, I'd, I'd love to have a, a million dollar campaign. Um, oh, yeah. Be a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, the, the largest. The largest campaign I've had was just under a hundred grand. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Which was nice. Um, and, and to be honest, and that was spread out over, uh, I mean, that was spread out over about, uh, yes, yeah, six to nine months. So that album release. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that was an indie artist as well. Um, yeah. And it goes I, quickly. It goes so quickly. Bloody hell. It does. It does. Yeah. No matter how big that budget is. And I've even shared before, I'll be on the first plane to come and help you wherever you are in the world. If you're willing to shell out five to 10% on my consulting fees. Yeah. <laughs> and that offer yeah. still stands. So yeah. yeah, if you're really for at a loss, how to spend it. But obviously it sounds like, you know, your product would be a wonderful place for them to maybe begin learning just the ropes before before get worrying about national exposure um what are the what do you see as being the most challenging aspects to navigate as a label owner i would say the most challenging aspect is managing artists expectations hmm. and 
managing the art and, and just generally managing artists in general, you know, they want the fucking world um, and they want it yesterday um, and they and they don't want to have to do a single post or tweet about it. They just want people to adore them and love them immediately. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously exaggerating, um, but that is probably the, yeah, that's the hardest thing is, is um, you know, bringing that kind of commercial sensibility towards you know that you know you're, you're as a label manager you're sort of and running a label you're on the business side of it um you know and you're doing some uh, if you're doing anaring you know you are you are kind of part of that creative side um but when you when you are being the label manager and you've got that hat on you know your job um is to you know is to hey how do we sell records um what do we need to do that um and you know what limit like kind of what what that limits what we can kind of do you know we can't do a gold and, um, you know, gold engraved uh, album cover for you. It's just not possible, no matter how much you've dreamed of being that, you know, your debut release. Um, so I think, you know, and, and, and artists as well, you, you can't just go like, wake up and smell the coffee. That's not going to happen. Come on. Hello. You know, you have to sort of go, Hey, so I, that's a great idea. Uh, Oscar, but um, maybe the better way of approaching it, and you know, like it just it's you know, and and having to have those conversations over again, I I'd say that's the most challenging thing. Um, mm. And I have to say, you know, uh, to, to artists out there, um, the ones that do well quickly are actually the ones that have got a bit of a business head on them already. Like they're a little bit like entrepreneurial. They kind of, they, and they just say, and they also just don't question it as well. Another frustrating thing is when, an art, you know, like, a, a, and this is comes probably more f and when you're doing the artist management side, you know, they go, hey, they come to you like, you know, you're my manager, like, you know, make me famous. And you're like, great, okay, we need you to do this, this, this. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. Or like, oh, that's kind of, I don't think that's that cool and stuff. And you're like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is what you need to do if you need to get to this point. And um, and the artists, when you say, Hey, uh, we need this remix done. Um, can you get it done by Sunday? And they're like, yes. And then you say, Hey, um, can you do this? And we just need you, uh, before your show, you just need to take a photo of the crowd, um, and then, um, send it to us. Okay. Like those are the artists that do really well because A, they're easy to work with. So you're more likely to um, put more attention onto them and B, they just, they focus on being an artist and writing music and they let you focus on doing the business side and selling the records. Um, so yeah, that's probably the, that's, yeah, that's probably the, the toughest part. Um, yeah, I mean, it, and once, once you sort of got your label up and running and it's humming along, I, I, it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. I can't, I can't really, I can't really say there's anything really too, you know, stressful about it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, when you're starting up, it's, it's always, you know, you've got to put some, um, you've got to put some money. Um, into it. Um, I mean, yeah. And, and as a side thing, which is just, you know, slightly off topic though. Um, and it's kind of what I was kind of writing this morning. What I got inspired about is, uh, how many artists sort of just think you can do everything for free and Hey, I'll just put tweets and, 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 and posts up on, uh, Facebook and stuff and eventually build up my audience and become famous. And they're not willing to put money into it. Like you need to put your money into it. Like unless you can get discovered by record label is going to invest a lot of money. Um, 
you need to invest your own money. Like get, get, a, get a job, like save up money. Like don't go out, don't drink, don't do drugs. Don't buy like those extra coffees, save that money up, save up five grand, save up 10 grand, and then spend that money on like putting your music out there. Like that's how you're going to become a success. Um, I, I really, I kind of really want to try and get that across to a lot of um, people out there that are sort of trying to get their career started. Um, because when you start out, you know, if you don't have money, that's going to be struggle. That's going to be hard. If you're starting a label with no money, you know, I mean, you know, all the labels that we've started with, like minimum four grand, like minimum, um, because there's just, you just got to have money to set stuff up, you know, pay, you know, you, you got to, uh, even if you want to do your own PR one day, when you do your first release, you don't really have any contacts. You need to go to a, a professional um, PR company who's going to do a news release about, you know, your new record label and, and get people talking about it. And you just have to pay money for that. There's just no two ways about it. Hmm. Um, yeah. I'll stop there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> success occurs where opportunity and preparedness meet. And oftentimes the piece that's missing for artists is that preparedness. And if they would just delve into a few valuable, useful resources on this topic of, of thinking a little bit more business minded and having mm -hmm. a, an end goal to aspire to and, and seeing clearly the vision for what it is you're trying to accomplish would make such a difference. And I mean, that's why I do what I do. Mm. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you've overcome as an entrepreneur? Getting a, a bit of a life. I mean, I'm, I'm now married and um, getting married um, made me realize that I need to carve out time for uh, life um, outside, you know, the, my business and, and my work world um, and realizing um, even though I found something that I love doing, and so, you know, what, what, what's that saying? If you find, if you can make a job out of something you do, you never really work or, you know, there's, there's something like that, you know, you, you, it's not a real job and, and stuff. So that's great, you know, but the downside to that is, you know, you can't, that doesn't mean you can spend 16 hours a day doing it because, you know, that in, that in itself is, is unhealthy. You know, you need to still spend time, you know, with your friends, with your family, with your loved ones. Um, and get that balance right, you know, and, and exercise regularly. So um, that's 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 uh, definitely when I was younger, that was definitely a challenge for me to kind of get that balance right. Um, and then as I got older as well, um, another personal thing was just like I'm a natural kind of outgoing guy and I like to go out and socialize and, and party. And, and, you know, that's a big part of, of um, as you know, being in the music industry and going out networking. Yep. Um, but learning to, um, on a Thursday night, you know, we've gone to a gig and then the, you know, the show's finished, haven't said hello to the band and then going home at 10 30, um, instead of going to the after party yes. and then partying <laughs> until two, three o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, that was like, and that sort of ties into the, that I sort of mentioned before is yeah, just learning to kind of, um, as I, you know, as I migrated into being more of a, like, you know, a professional, um, uh, uh, person working in the music industry is, is, um, uh, being professional everywhere, you know, not like not thinking, well, when you're out and about, you know, it's like, it's, you know, we're at the bar, have drinks, way shots. Like you actually still have to be professional there, um, and learning to do that and, you know, and going out and, 
and having a massive show and and everything going amazing and you know and, and having that you know well let's we should pop the champagne and then just learning to go hey guys that was awesome high fives and then getting in the uber and going home and being home by 11 o'clock you know and going that was an amazing successful incredible night but i'm going to go to bed and get up tomorrow at nine o'clock and get on with my day and and you know that's um as it you know personally that's always been a bit of a challenge um yeah i'm I, I, apart from that, I haven't. I can't think of stories around that happened. That was um, Ubu's, like um, oh, what was the name of the city? Was it not Denver? There's a is it Colorado? 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 Yeah. Is that you say it? There's a uh, Denver and Boulder would be the other major uh, city there. Now is Colorado near Canada? Kind of. I'm actually headed there in December. It's it's probably like a two and a half hour, three hour flight. So yeah, I I thought um, that it was part of Canada, um, <laughs> and I had an artist um, who was um, who was doing a three day tour um, in um, uh, What's the other? What are the other big countries? The other big cities in Canada um, that are up on basically Vancouver, Montreal, Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, and Ottawa. Toronto, yeah, it was Toronto and um, Edmonton, I think. Yeah. So anyway, I thought it was a full three Canada tour. Now, if you're a UK artist, you don't need a visa to go to Canada. Um, you just you don't need a working visa or you just need the promoter to like write a little letter and you show that at the airport and you're in and it's, you know, duty. It's not like how hey, you have to get a proper visa, um, you know, like your um, S1 visas and stuff to go into the States if you're right. in the UK. Um, so I was like, awesome going out. The other thing that was, so you can see where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so the, so the last show, um, uh, was an, uh, Colorado and um, it was also a big debut show for the artist and a whole lot of like other agents and stuff were going there. It was also his biggest, like his biggest paid show to date. I think it was around 25 grand at the time. Um, and yeah, I got this, uh, I got this, uh, he, he uh, was halfway through and then someone like one of the tour managers was like saying, Oh, have you got your visa? And he's like, what, why do I need a visa for? And they're like, well, you need it. And was like, well, no, he doesn't need a visa. It's like, it's in Canada. And they're like, no, it's in the U S. And I was like, oh, fuck. and that was, that was probably my big answer. And we try, so we had to fly home. Um, and oh no, we, yeah, we tried, we tried to sort it out and it was like, it was just, we tried to get like a 24 hour emergency, and it was like, it just didn't work out and it didn't happen and he missed the show. So we didn't get, that was, that was my biggest mistake. Um, and you know, what did I learn from that? Uh, what was the challenge that I overcame? Um, I guess just double, triple check everything, um, yeah. check visas, get other, get other people to check stuff as well. I'm a little bit of a, like kind of just do everything myself cause I know I want to get done, um, kind of guy. Um, and I've learned to, you know, even learn that everyone makes mistakes and I don't want to make another 25 grand mistake again. Um, so yeah, always have somebody else check over your work. 
Um, if anything, it also means you can blame somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've all made the mistakes and I've probably made the easiest ones in the book myself. I guess maybe that's what makes me uh, able to navigate a variety of situations is because I've made all those difficult and, and sometimes heartbreaking mistakes. I related to what you said about having a life as well. Earlier this year, I endured a breakup and I was a little Sorry more... Again. Yeah, I was a little more invested in it than she was, and yet uh, she was constantly pursuing me. So this is, you know, a weird uh, mind game type situation in a way. Mm -hmm. But I guess my point being that, you know, hanging out with her gave me a sense of what it would be like to have someone significant in my life. And that was my, I guess, biggest takeaway or lesson from this whole thing was like, yeah, okay, these 12 hour days, these 10 hour days, they can't happen. They're not going to happen. Mm. If, I, if I'm in a committed relationship, it can't go on like this. It's not, it's not healthy and it's just not going to be, you know, fun for either side to, to live that kind of life. So that has me very conscious of that fact. And, you know, that that's the whole thing of putting more income sources on, on autopilot and automation and mm -hmm. having a team to handle different aspects of it. And uh, mm -hmm. just, just being very mindful of what I'm saying yes mm -hmm. to and be consciously saying no more often uh, is going to be a big part of that. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a it's a false economy as well because if you set your life up, you know that you're comfortable in working twelve days. Well, then you have to work twelve days. You know, you can't suddenly you know, and then you try and say, well, now I've got to you might have a baby or something. It's like you're just forced to now only work eight hour days. You know, that's four. If you're working twelve hours, you know what's that? Four times five. You suddenly got to lose twenty hours a week, eighty hours a month. You know, like yep. that would be. You know, uh, yeah, like I said, false economies, it's, you just can't do it. You've got to, you've got to start setting yourself up that in the early days. Exactly. It's not sustainable and you also have to have recreation time. Super important. And then the flip side mm -hmm. is what are some of the biggest victories you've experienced as an entrepreneur? Getting my first record signed was pretty cool. Yep. Um, uh, being like playing all, I mean, I, I, I love uh, when I was DJing, I'd, I'd love going and playing music to people and making them dance and, and putting together a great show. Um, so getting to, yeah, just play all over the world um, was amazing. Uh, I mean, I think going back to when I got to go, we, we took a, we did a label tour of New Zealand um, when um, uh, maybe about two or three years after we started it. And it was pretty cool. I, I, it was really nice going back to New Zealand and then going on tour with the label, um, like playing under the label because I'd left New Zealand and then I'd kind of, you know, sort of, hey, I'm going to go make it. And then I kind of came back to New Zealand and was like, hey, I've made it. <laughs> that was like, you know, a kind of a really nice personal victory. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what else? Um, I mean, I, uh, when Skrillex, when he won his Grammys and he name checked our record label at the Grammys, that was pretty cool. Um, because that was something I could, um, I could show the, I could send, I sent the video to my mum, and she kind of was like, oh, wow, you must be doing okay then. <laughs> you know, like, is it, it's something where, you know, she was like, what's all this dance music in there, you know, but like, you know, <laughs> sort of gets it, but doesn't, um, you know, whereas like everyone knows what the Grammys are. So um, yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um, and just, you know, and bringing, um, 
you know, taking artists, uh, I mean, something I absolutely love is to, working with artists. So the, working with the prototypes was amazing. Um, you know, they started, they're about to quit on their career, um, started working with them, um, took them all the way up um, to, you know, they've they won the Bass Music Awards over here, um, uh, uh, Best um, Artists, I think it was like 2016 or 2017, um, you know, and took them to being just full-time um, you know, because they had part-time jobs at the time, full-time artists touring around the world. And, and they still are to this day, set up their own label. You know, they're constantly flying around the world. Um, that, that was absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, um, probably an entrepreneur-wise. I mean, about three years ago, I moved into the film industry as well and started producing um, films. Um, and that's been... Uh, amazing transitioning into that um yeah uh, which you know I'm, I'm still i'm still uh working on as doing my music and i know there's going to be lots more kind of successes in that area as well which is um yeah which i'm really looking forward to sort of i've sort of gone from music into film which is i like to say i'm sort of um expanding my um experience in the entertainment industry mm. yes <laughs> killer yeah I'll stop there. Otherwise, I'll just ramble on. Oh, that's wonderful that you have so many victories to share. Are there any books that have helped you on your journey? Uh, the first one that comes to mind is um, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, yes. um, which is uh, the E-Myth stands for the entrepreneur myth, which is um, the idea that um, if, you are, if you're a professional in a trade, you think that therefore you can go start up a business doing that trade. Um, but running a business is just like, is, is, a, is, a, is a talent in itself and a trade in itself. So, you know, you wouldn't really just say, Hey, I'm going tomorrow. I'm going to go now be a, um, accountant and then just open up shop and you just be, you wouldn't know what to do. Um, and it would fail. And that's, you know, why so many companies fail because they, they don't understand that. And that is, you know, that's essentially what the e-myth is. And, you know, and, and that's the same thing with artists going, well, I'm, I'm an artist. I'm just going to start my own record label. How hard are you? But the music records, it's you know, a lot of that, it's that same kind of thing. Um, and um, this, and a lot of the principles in that book is a lot of the principles, you know, I've applied to all my businesses and, you know, that I try and put that kind of theory into the label machine as well to um, kind of get that across to when people are setting up that it's, it's something you need to learn and skill and you need to, you know, upskill if you want to do it properly. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a great book. And, and anyone who's thinking about starting a business um, reader, it's, it's getting a bit long in the two, it's getting a bit old, but like, it's still a great read and the principles um, still work. Um, you know, the classics, uh, Napoleon, Think and Grow Rich. I read when I was 18. That was amazing. Um, another book uh, that I read uh, years ago was uh, Susan Jeffers' um, "Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway," yeah. um, which is an, an amazing book. Which is just the you know the idea that um, it like people think that you know someone who goes out and does something they're fearless. They're not. Everybody feels fear. It's just the person who goes and does it just feels the fear and does it anyway. They just, you know, they, they, they practice it just, you know, using that fear to kind of move forward. Um, and it's something you can kind of learn to do. So yeah, that was a great book. Um, 
Yeah, what else? Timothy Ferris, 10-hour working week. That was a really good one. I just started sort of rereading that again recently. Um, inspirational, for sure. Yeah, really inspirational. Um, God, what else am I reading? God, I've got, I, can't, I can't think of anything more off the top of my head. Um, uh, my, uh, you know, what's the Passman? The, uh, you know what, actually, I have to say, um, I haven't read um, Ari's Takes book yet. Ah, yes. Have you read it? I have not yet, and I do intend to read that book as well. Yeah, because I, I don't, I haven't really come across like a pretty comprehensive book that like could have sort of explains the music industry um, like as it stands in the last couple of years. Um, right. Yeah. Like a more modern take. Cause, cause there are a bunch out there such as, you know, Jesse Cannon's get more fans. Like that one is a tome. Like it is, it's a big book and, and Donald Passman's book. And there's a few, I mean, mm-hmm. it just seems to go with the territory that a lot of people who, who write in this industry have, have these dictionaries, uh, out there, but, but you're right. I don't know if there's anything quite as, as modern as Ari Hurstan's book. Yeah, I mean, is, I, I really want to read it. Um, I mean, I I kind of want to put something together from my point of view, but I want to make it snappy. Yeah. Um, I I've written a first draft, and it's about fifty thousand words, and and I've heard that you want to kind of have seventy thousand words for a book, but I'm like, if I write any more, I'm just making a fodder. Like like, and you know, it'll be interesting, and I'll put more stories in there, but I'm like. You know, when I read a book, I just kind of want to get like through it, get all the elements out of it and then just get on with kind of doing it. Um, so, yeah, don't know. Maybe my book might be, you know, kind of one of the first ones that's a bit more of like, you know, maybe a modern version. Who knows? I've uh, self-published four times at this point and I have a fifth and sixth book wait- waiting in the wings. But I would say, wow, yeah. Uh, 40,000 is good. It's a good amount to aspire to. And if you have more than that, great. Um, I, three of my volumes are basically 12,000 to 20,000 words. So they're short, oh. shorter, punchier, mini guides, handbooks, kinds of things, which John Maxwell also has. So I think it's, yeah. it's legitimate either way. It's definitely thinking about your audience and what they're willing to suffer through. <laughs> but uh, yeah. if you can express like a lot of value in 50,000 words, I would take that over just a rambling 80,000 words any day. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay, I, I I have I have seen some of your books. I like this. This the hard thing as well with online. Sometimes it's hard to know is it a is it a book book or is it an ebook because okay. because you can't see like you know you can't physically see it you know because some people are like oh you know like uh, get, get my book you know blah 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 and you download it and it's like a you know it's a 50 page ebook or something you're like oh, okay it's, it's it's a book but it's not is it a book or yeah so <laughs> yeah no i'm not deluded you know all my stuff's actually on amazon and and there's ebook versions oh, and it's- and physical versions and we're working on the audiobook versions as well i'm not going to voice them because well i i'm mobile these days i'm, I'm always moving around so finding the time space and gear, gear to record all that is is a bit of a challenge but yeah uh, yeah, but we're going to get those out there too. Oh, amazing. Oh, well, I'll, I'll, offline, I'll have to, um, I'll have to hit you up about the publishing side of things. Uh, cause I've, I've sort of, I've got a couple of friends who have been like classically published and but I, I'm not sure if that's quite where is the place for me. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll definitely, um, twist your ear on that. 
You got it. Absolutely. This has been a value packed episode, Nick. So thanks for your time and generosity. Is there anything else I should have asked? Uh, no, it was great. Um, thanks for having me on the show. Um, it was really easy talking to you. Um, yeah, I, I hope your, uh, I hope your audience got some value out of it. Um, yeah, it was a pleasure. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast. 